Hello, and welcome to another episode of Numa. Today, I put forth the questions. What is this thing called eudaimonia, about which all the great philosophers from every recognized school, be it peripatetic or stoic, skeptical or epicurean, platonic or Christian, speak? And where is it to be found? Is it discoverable in this physical world in which we toil, play, and live? Or is its existence constrained to that boundless, uncircumscribable country, that uncharted territory that is our mind? I hope this episode delivers two answers to these two important questions by which your life stands vastly to be improved, and your disquietude and your uneasiness lessened. As you, my clever listener, might have surmised from the title of this channel, Numa happens to be, at least for the present moment, the Greek word of which I'm fondest in response to whose utterance my stoic Jewish heart leaps. It means, among other things, air in motion, vital spirit, sustaining wind, immortal soul, or, my personal favorite, divine breath. In its more exalted sense, it's used by the 72 authors of the Septuagint, or the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, to capture the ineffable Semitic word ruach. Ruach is, both in and beyond Genesis, the omnipresent spirit of God the limitless soul of the mighty creator, by which, or by whom, everything, heaven and earth, sky and sea, human, plant and beast, is at once permeated and inspired. Another Greek word for which I have great affection is eudaimonia, a term on which, with the aid of poetry and the guidance of philosophy, will focus and expand today. As it happens, it comes to us from a most unpoetic thinker, Aristotle. In his Ethics, Aristotle to whom Plato was a teacher and Alexander the Great a pupil, speaks at length of eudaimonia. By the singular effort and great influence of the bearded Stagorite, 
eudaimonia has been most widely popularized. But Aristotle wasn't alone in thinking about, commenting on, and advancing the conversation around the idea. As noted, every philosophical school, to some extent, concerned itself with eudaimonia. It was as much a theme for those gathered in the shade of the columnated stoa as it was for those in attendance at the Lyceum. Diogenes in his narrow jar and Plato in his ample academy were equally engrossed by it. This is because eudaimonia dealt and still deals with a universal and timeless issue. How is a human being to live well? How is he to be content and unperturbed? How is he to remain upright through the stormy tempests of life? How is he to achieve happiness in such an unforgiving and fickle place? How is he to be immune to pain, insensitive to suffering, and never far beyond virtue's reach? To these grave and weighty questions, Aristotle and every other philosopher offers his response. He advised, for the attainment of equanimity, contentment, and well-being, the pursuit of eudaimonia. In Greek, when broken apart, the prefix of this word is you, as found in such common words as euphemism and euphoria. It means good. The word daimon or demon, to which Socrates often refers, and by which he's fatally led, is a mystical, quasi-divine conscience or inner voice by which the introspective man is not infrequently visited. For our purposes, eudaimonia means good spirit, or overall goodness of being. Having undergone a movement from Greek to English, the meaning of eudaimonia has changed along the course of its journey. In the refined talk of educated Americans and Brits, 
Eudaimonia has come to be synonymous with happiness, merely, or life of simple, uninterrupted pleasure, one void of distress and unassailed by pain, one unvisited by problems and free of worry. But we degrade the original dignity of the term and distort the majesty of its noble figure by reducing its definition to mean pleasure and nothing else. For, you see, eudaimonia is not happiness in the common, low understanding of the word but rather the satisfactoriness that comes with living a life in conformity to one's highest potential, in pursuit of the lofty end for which you, I, and every human being born into this life is ultimately made. Eudaimonia, rest assured, is not pure, thoughtless, unadulterated bliss. Not the dopamine-laden, sensual gratification by which we're blindly drawn to sex, craft, beer, cannabis, and food, but rather the quiet contentment, the unperturbed fulfillment that is the result of living in accordance with nature. It's what we feel when we strive toward that higher purpose toward which the unmistakable, inerrant voice of nature calls us. That is eudaimonia. That is the form of happiness most appropriate to the greatness of you, an incredible, virtuous human being. But where is this form of happiness to be found? Nowhere but within. You, ultimately, are the author of your own contentment. You are the father of your own equanimity, the mother of your own well-being. You're the creator of your own calm, unswerving, undismayed disposition by you and by no one else is your bliss begotten. From your own innate soil does this joyous flower spring. You alone must keep it fertile. You alone must water and cultivate it. In brief, your attainment of eudaimonia is fully dependent on you. This large responsibility can be outsourced to no one and no thing else. Upon your shoulders does it weigh. 
through your veins, between your ears, within your mind, does it flow. You must cultivate what the Stoics call ataraxia, or an untroubled state of soul. You must practice virtue and build an impenetrable, equanimous spirit. Behind its walls, you dynomia will grow, mature, and flourish. To show this, I'll borrow a few lines, not from an Athenian sage, but from an Anglo-Irish poet called Oliver Goldsmith. In his poem, The Traveler, he says, Vain, very vain, my weary search to find, that bliss which only centers in the mind. Still to ourselves in every place consigned, our own felicity we make or find. With secret course, which no loud storms annoy, glides the smooth current of domestic joy. I invite you again to listen to that fourth line. Our own felicity we make or find. We find it not in the world, I must emphasize, but in ourselves. Happiness, eudaimonia, forever and always have their origin in ourselves. And, for good measure, I'll borrow a few lines from the Anglo-Catholic poet Alexander Pope. In his didactic poem, Essay on Man, he says, O oh, happiness, our being's end and aim, good pleasure, ease, content, whatever thy name, that's something still which prompts the eternal sigh for which we bear to live or dare to die, which still so near us, yet beyond us lies, overlooked, seen double, by the fool and wise, plant of celestial seed, if dropped below, say, in what mortal soil thou deign'st to grow, fair opening to some court's propitious shine, or deep with diamonds in the flaming mine, twined with the wreaths of Parnassian laurels yield, or reaped in iron harvests of the field. Where grows? Where grows it not? If vain our toil, we ought to blame the culture, not the soil. 
fixed to no spot is happiness sincere. Tis nowhere to be found, or everywhere. Tis never to be bought, but always free. And, fled from monarchs, St. John dwells with thee. Tis nowhere to be found, or everywhere. Tis never to be bought, but always free. Happiness is, in other words, invaluable, contemptuous, in fact, of all money, yet it's the cheapest thing around. No amount of money will win its purchase. Both the wealthy and the destitute have means enough to procure it. And oftentimes the latter enjoys it in the greater bulk. Happiness, or eudaimonia, is immaterial, with neither composition, matter, nor substance. Yet it is, in fact, the realest good, the purest attainment, toward which we're all drawn after which we all seek. Eudaimonia, happiness, well-being, contentment, equanimity, virtuous peace, calm, and repose. It dwells within thee. Seek it, and thou shalt find it. Philosophers and poets disclose to you the way. Follow it. You'll not be led astray. Eudaimonia will be yours. Happiness will be yours. If only you'll take it. Thank you for listening to this episode of NUMA. I hope it brought you one step closer to eudaimonia, the destination toward which all our paths are bent. Until next time, farewell. Please, if you'd be so kind, subscribe to this channel Leave a rating. Until next time.